And here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, October the 15th in the year of our Lord 2020, being a rumination Thursday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker with my co-host, Wes Reimnitz. And Wes has found a really interesting article, and we're going to be talking about that. I, I do want to make one correction from yesterday. I think I said the next day was going to be open mic Friday, and poor Wes is wondering what happened to that. What I was trying to say is that I do appreciate emails sent in for open mic Friday or letters since we're not in the studio right now due to the virus. And so I was just thinking of Friday instead of Thursday. But you found a pretty good article once more, Wes, to talk about that a lot of people are thinking of. Let me just read part of it. The uh, conversation, of course, among many churches is how the virus is affecting their worship and their gathering as congregations. But another question is, how are they going to keep on the lights? What is the article talking about? Well, they're talking about giving to the church. And I found it rather interesting because I picked this one because several weeks ago, there was an article in the news where offerings were maintaining themselves. How in two weeks does it go from churches maintaining themselves to uh, how do we keep the lights on? Well, according to the Barna Group, 65% of American churches have seen a decrease in contributions during this Chinese virus. And a staggering one in five churches, now get this, may be forced to close their doors in the next 18 months. I didn't realize it was that bad. Yes and no. I mean, it depends on 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 some of the fundamentals that you're looking behind and what's going on there. I think we covered some of this uh, a few weeks back when we did worship nightmares. You know, people aren't being fed with with uh, good law gospel sermons and or worship services that that. Uh, uh, lack confession of sins and gives glory to themselves for having found Christ. Uh, those are some of the reasons that people aren't going to church. Well, uh, that's got to impact your offerings as well then. Uh, yes, there's no doubt about it that they do talk about the uh, lack of individuals going to church. And we've talked about the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those that no longer uh, are part of a denomination. But one of the statistics in the article is 30 years ago, 50% of all charitable donations went to houses of worship. But once the virus hit, that shrunk down to 30%. And in the 2018-2019 fiscal year, donations to religious institutions dropped by a whopping $3 billion. Mm. Wow. Couldn't some of that be that, that uh, some of the population was out of work and thus were unable to, to 
they had to cut back on their giving, their expenses. No, that's a really good point. I served four churches in Illinois, and there was a time when two of them were not doing worship services, and therefore I wasn't getting paid uh, salary or mileage for them because we weren't meeting, and that was a few months. And so that dropped quite a bit of the uh, funding I, I received because I'm retired right now, and a lot of it comes from these churches I, I visit. And uh, there's no doubt that others have fallen into this. What, what I found interesting is this article talks about that the middle class is usually the folks that have funded the churches for generations. And as wealth is concentrated among the rich, debt-stressed middle-class Americans no longer possess the means to shoulder the burden of supporting American Christianity's sprawling infrastructure. And so uh, there's a Diamaz who wrote an article on this, predicts many churches have seven to 10 months to either adapt or die. Yeah, it, it requires a little bit more study than, than we've got a half hour to discuss. Uh, I knew that the middle-class America was, was under stress, but uh, didn't know it was quite as much a, as heavy as they're, they're predicting at this point in time. I, th I think uh, churches are, are going to have to figure out some points of, of change in how they, they give because traditionally you put in tithes and offerings into the plate and they ran the ministry of the church and, uh, you know, and then your missions and your synodical missions and things of that nature. And I know those are national missions and district missions are are being tested right now too with lack of funds. Yes, uh there was a uh some statistics in here that indicated that of the 100% that goes to churches, 50% of it normally goes to salaries for their employees, you know, pastors, custodians, secretaries. 40% goes to the upkeep of the building, uh, utilities, mortgage, etc., with only about 10%. So that uh, this one article indicates that if a church is not being supported 100% by its offerings, uh, it's got only a few more months to live or to die. It's just not going to be able to afford uh, all of these items. Yeah, I, I saw that statistic too. And again, I'm back to, you know, when you pay 50% of the salaries there, especially in many of the smaller churches, the, the pastor's salary uh, takes over a lion's share of the budget there. And if pastor is preaching law and gospel that is a ministry that's going on to the membership and generally your pastor's out there doing shut-in calls visitations you know a variety of different things that he's doing so you know ministry is going on now the article does say there is a way to survive uh these churches 
is to reduce their dependence on weekly donations and develop alternate sources of revenue that uh, leverage the congregation's property and personnel in new ways. When I had first gone to my first congregation, this was, boy, 25, 30 years ago, we had a number of young people that didn't have jobs in the congregation, and they were looking for jobs. And so I went to the headquarters of White Castle to see whether or not we could get a White Castle that the church would then operate. And I found out that only one guy owns all the White Castles. <laughs> and he doesn't <laughs> let anybody you know, have one. Now, McDonald's was still okay. And at that time, it was about $100,000 to get into that. Now it's sometimes over 500000 But um, I do know of a church that actually has a subway in its narthex. Mm. And you can walk in during the week and buy subways um, remember, Subway is the second biggest restaurant now after McDonald's in the world. More mm. Subways. And um, that is, therefore, a way in which a congregation can become sustainable. Then we know of other congregations where they have maybe a coffee shop or something during the week that people can come in. And um, then some have sold their church and bought maybe an old Kmart or a big building like that, and then they use uh, the building uh, and charge rent for it where people can have um, maybe weightlifting classes or things like that going on. I know when I was at my congregation, we had two rooms that we did rent out one was for people who were learning English. Mm. And, um, and, and so if you have extra building space, that's a real possibility of using that building space because very little of it may be used. For example, there are some churches that no longer can afford the school they had and they've closed down the school. Well, here they've got all this office space and such. And even if you allowed it, uh, for example, one of the big things that's going up around our city where you can store items, you know, you can drive up and you get a garage. Well, churches could do that and charge so much per month and such. And that could be helpful, too. So I don't know. Have you got some ideas in this area? Well, I took a look at the scriptures a little bit. You know, we gotta, we're law gospel. we got to have a connection there somewhere or something to discuss. And I took a look at Acts 4 and 5, you know, where the, the community of believers held everything in common. And there was this guy called Barnabas who uh, went out and sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. So... Uh, whether Barnabas had a regular job or not, we're not told, but he did have some land that uh, 
he knew that he could give to the to to the church at that time, take care of it, and then of course, then you have the whole Ananias and Sapphira story that that comes later. But um, certainly, there there are people remembering the church in their wills. Yeah, that's and, really important. Yeah, yeah, I know of a congregation that I'm involved with that received a one million dollar will gift. And in fact, uh, you know, I also work for Concordia Mission Society, and we received a uh, will recently that uh, resulted in almost $500,000 going into our coffers uh, to help with mission work overseas and such. So, right. Well, yeah, there's, there's the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Foundation, and they they will... Now they're they're not quite after your money. They're helping you direct your funds to various ministries of the Senate, whether it's like CMS or KFUO or Law Gospel or District right. or Senate Missions. Now I can't but imagine that there hasn't been a lowering of funds coming to the Senate because if these congregations are not receiving sufficient to take care of their own, they're probably reducing what goes to Synod and whether or not the Board of Directors is working on that, etc. we're bound to be hearing pretty soon in the future. Well, I already heard from them recently. They, I got a letter, I'd say about a month or so ago, uh, asking for some funds, and of course we sent in some. Uh, but I know that... Uh, some of our districts, at synodical level, it isn't coming in just as much because I I, I fear that there's been a back back giving uh, at the local congregation and they're surviving right now. Yes, we need to remember too that even in Luther's day, monasteries and nunneries they would produce products and sell them like. Mm. honey or stuff like that uh, to help support because the monastery wasn't really a congregation where people were giving to it. So there was that. But we should also talk about um, some of those who are really opposed to it. For example, Scott McKnight, who's the chair of New Testament theology at Northern Seminary in Illinois, he is vehemently opposed to running churches like secular businesses. And he does that on the basis of pointing to Jesus who grew outraged at merchants selling items in courts of the Jerusalem temple, flipping over their tables as a specific warning against such thinking. In fact, I know some pastors uh, who will not allow the ladies' aid, for example, to have a rummage sale in, in the church on the basis of this uh, verse. So what's your thinking on that? Well, uh, there was a time I would agree with that, but facing uh, some of the things we said, and I think it was well said that you talked about the, the Middle Ages during Luther's day where uh, monasteries and that were... Uh, selling goods to to sustain themselves, 
but if you read the article a little further, it's it's where you put the focus. Is if the focus is on the business, it's a problem. If the focus is on the ministry to the people, and of course we would add to to law and gospel. There's a big difference. Yeah, there's no doubt that they suggest in the article that if a church is going to go into the secular business items, they have a number of things they got to be careful of. First of all, they could lose their tax-related status because now their buildings are being used. And so, therefore, if you allow part of the building to be used, you need to charge them the tax that the government should be getting. And uh, you also ought to have a business manager. The pastor shouldn't be running this. He's more busy. Remember, the disciples decided to have others take care of these areas so that they could concentrate on the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm trying to think, I know of a lot of smaller congregations that don't have additional rooms or anything. And so it'd be difficult for them to rent out during the week. But there's no doubt that, uh, for example, if you have a school that's closed down, perhaps you could refashion those rooms. Uh, maybe uh, an insurance executive would come in and that would, were, would be his office. He certainly would have plenty of parking uh, during the week because mm. the church doesn't have too much going on uh, Monday through Friday or Saturday. So you got to be really careful that it doesn't become the purpose of the church, as you are saying. Yeah, I think that's so critical that, uh, you know, we talk about stewardship, but uh, in Ephesians 1, when it talks about God talks about stewardship, he talks about uh, the gospel and bringing people into the kingdom that Christ is head of, of the church and has done all things for us. And I think that's uh, in, in one of our final analysis is that one of the things that we, we've got to keep before them is how do we pay the bills so that the gospel goes out and that our, our pastors and teachers and DCs and that are, are able to make a living while they, they serve us with that good news. Yes. Then there's another problem, not only the virus, but the mm. big division, uh, particularly between Republicans and Democrats. For example, in the Democratic debate last October, former U.S. Representative Beta O'Rourke suggested that churches that oppose gay marriage should lose their tax exemption. Well, how about we also oppose abortion? Uh, We oppose a lot of immorality. Are we going to lose our tax exemption simply because the Supreme Court has gone against the Bible in these areas and said this stuff is legal? So that's another problem that the church has to think about that we're being told we could lose our tax-exempt status uh, because of our teaching, which means this is going against free speech, of course, too. Right, going against free speech. But isn't that some of the problems, um, burdens that that the church carries forward, as as, uh, Jesus said, that uh, they will hate you on account of me? 
Yes. And living in the United States is a huge difference. For example, in Canada, a pastor had just put up a sign, and all he had on it were Bible verses from the Old Testament against homosexuality, and he was fined by the government for hate speech. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so this is a huge problem uh, throughout the world. You know, there are countries. Now, we do not agree with homosexual lifestyle, but we also don't agree with those countries that are putting homosexuals to death because of of that. And so uh, women and other minority groups, etc., really can feel the pinch. And that's what the church doesn't do. We speak out uh, against immorality because we want people to repent and be saved. But at the same time, we need to be careful that we don't put other people down so much that violence occurs against them as is happening in some countries. I think that's a well point that you make that in the U.S. we've got a good constitution and uh, good yes. uh, followers uh, that, that interpret it in such a way that we have that free speech as Christians. But depending on who gets elected, a lot of that mm-hmm. can be reversed. I mean, whoever thought that the Supreme Court would allow for gay marriage? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's ridiculous. And boy, that causes tons of problems. And so, therefore, here comes the church that is opposed to the law of the land. But like the New Testament says, when the disciples were told no longer to preach Christ, what did they say? We must obey God rather than rather men. Than, yep. Well said. So one other area that I see happening a lot is... There are a number of congregations who simply don't have the funds to call full-time pastors. And so what they're doing is attempting to use part-time pastors, maybe retired pastors. I know some pastors that actually are taking care of a a full-time church as well as one or two other churches uh, because the people are unable to get a pastor uh, at full time, unable to pay it, or there aren't those many pastors uh, available as there were before. Right, and that's that's another thing that you know we we put into our daily prayer that our Lord would send us more pastors out there because the harvest is ripe out there. Yes, and there are plenty of congregations that'd be willing to call a pastor, but it is pretty expensive. Uh, especially depending where you live. Uh, I know one pastor who left California. He was getting a pretty good wage, and he had a house that he had bought. Well, he sold the house, and with the wages, he was able to buy three houses in Missouri. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So renting out two of them and living in one of them. So it all (laughs) depends that area of the country in which you're living in also that can be but there are a number of churches that have parsonages that they're no longer using because 
pastors tend to want to buy their own house so they have something that they're putting money into. And therefore, these parsonages are empty. They could be rented out to people, I imagine, right? Yes, they could do that. But I I see with the tightening of funds, I could see it going the other way. That they'll either sell the parsonage or they will require the pastor to live in it and take his funds from, from his house sale and put it into a tax shelter. Yes. Yeah, there are all kinds of options. And I'm a pastor, and I am not cognizant of this. Uh, so we've got a lot to think about. Right. Hey, Right. Good article that you found. We certainly appreciate it. And now I will be able to say that what? Tomorrow's uh, open open mic Friday. (laughs) Yes. Tomorrow's (laughs) open mic Friday. Um, Email us at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And again, we thank Pastor Wes Reimnitz for getting this article. In fact, he's already got another one for next week we're going to be talking about. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.